0: bit of a break on this, but here's our hope for you in your life, uh, is that you want to be formed by God, that it happens together with other believers, and it happens for the sake of the world, for the sake of others. Each of those components built together are who we want to be at every level, as individuals, as uh, families, as MCs, and then together as a congregation. Hopefully, anywhere you look in Missio de Mesa, you see that those three things are taking place. Uh, this week will be a few minutes on the first one of those. Uh, if you want to start turning to a text, we will be in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, but before we get there, um, this last year, uh, a few things happened for me. Uh, the first thing is one time, uh, this is the first time this has ever happened to me. I was out hiking and I hit a wall. Not like a literal wall, not a wall wall. I didn't hike into a wall. Uh, I was hiking. I'd gone out for a few hours um, on the backside and the superstitions, gone up and hiked out. Uh, and I'd been experimenting with different pack weights because that's fun to do. And so one of the heaviest things that you carry with you on any backpacking trip is what? Your water, right? But it's also one of the most important things that you bring with you is water. And so on this particular day, on this particular hike, I had not calculated uh, the right water to temperature to effort to hadn't slept enough the night before ratio. And I was about a mile from being back. Uh, The last half mile was all downhill. uh, But the two miles before that felt like they were just straight uphill. And as I was getting towards the top, this beautiful picture was taken, which is really nice, right? That that looks beautiful. What it doesn't show is that uh, something I was experiencing that I'd never experienced before, my muscles were starting to cramp. Now I've played sports at like a varsity level, I've been in different training environments, and I had never had something like this happen where literally every time I flexed my muscles in my leg, I was wondering, are they gonna completely not up, and I'm literally gonna have to get carried out of here some way, or just sleep this off um, I don't know how this works and so every step I took uh, I could feel my muscles tightening up but right? there wasn't enough electrolytes I was down to like two sips of water and even the water I was sipping didn't seem to be uh, relieving the muscle that would just was nodding up with every step and if you've ever experienced this it's super scary because you don't know which step is going to be the one that leaves you immobilized but I could tell it was coming Uh, This last year, I also turned 40, so I'm now officially old, right? That counts, like, no matter where you're at. Like, I feel like 40 is like a tipping point, so uh, 40 is where you start to feel those sort of things. On the last decade of my life, which it leads you to kind of do some exploration in your life, whenever you hit another birthday, uh, looking back over the last decade of my life, I've been able to be a part of forming, planting, uh, growing three different faith communities during that season of my life. And something that I've seen in each and every community I've been in is this. If people are not being deeply formed by Jesus, they won't have the strength or passion to continue being God's new humanity, the church. And that's true of people who are just starting in their walk with Jesus. It's also true of the pastors who are shepherding those communities. It's also true of the people who are leading missio or missional communities. Uh, it's true of those who have the most excitement, have the most exuberant worship. It's true of those who passively sit in the back but are still comprehending and taking in and living faithfully on mission. That no matter what's being done, uh, even in seasons of health, if that does not continue to take Place the passion and the energy and the drive will dry up and leave you spiritually much like what happens if your body doesn't have enough electrolytes when you are out hiking. You'll start to spiritually cramp up and stop and wonder, all right, there's something wrong. The Instagram photos might still look on point, but inwardly you feel like, hey, this is wrong. Something is wrong. Every step, an alert in your mind that things are not the way they should be. If we're not being continually formed by Jesus, that will take place. It's not our matter of if, but a matter of when. And over the last decade, I've watched as friends walk away from the faith. Right? I've watched as those who were freed from addictions willingly choose to walk back into them. I've watched as those who are being shaped by the story and even teaching it from the front of the room to a group of people with not just energy, but Wisdom walk towards other things that are lesser gods and away from the true and living God. Because somewhere along the way, it started being solely about what they did and not about nourishing the inner life inside of them. And so that's why we want to start with being formed by God.
1: When I was out hiking, I
0: gratefully accepted some electrolytes from one of my friends. So when I finally told him, hey, uh, my muscles are actually cramping up. Like, I'm not sure how much more I'm going to be able to do going up this hill. Uh, He actually said, oh, I have electrolytes in, like, powder form. Do you want some? To which I responded, yes. So the first step was saying, like, hey, I got a problem. And there was actually a solution to that. Uh, When I've watched as people in communities start to cramp up spiritually and realize, like, oh, there's not enough in me for what this work is taking. And I don't even have the resources from which to get them. That as they turn back towards the loving embrace of God, like there is something nourishing that takes place in their life. But in both cases, it's really up to the person that needs them to receive them and take them themselves. So today, my hope is over the next few minutes to give you some of the nutrients that are out there, but it's going to be up to you to actually receive them. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this space and this time that you've given us together. I thank you for the good news of the gospel. I thank you for the fact that, God, you are a pursuing, loving, faithful God who enters in and does not stay far off, Uh, who at any point when we turn to you, you welcome us back, that you give our soul what it truly desires, what money could never buy or bread could never provide or wine could never provide, that you yourself are that life-giving food and drink that we need. And so we ask tonight as a community that we would say yes to what's available to us in Christ. And I ask this in your name, Jesus, and by the power of your spirit who's with us, amen. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, What I want to invite us into tonight is to consider out over the next year, what would it look like if you place an emphasis, a priority on your life in being spiritually formed, to be leaning into what God wants to do in forming you as his son or you as his daughter? Uh, One definition for this is uh, spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Simple definition, a brilliant definition. I love it, Um, but I also found some few things that were missing in it, so I I reworked it a little bit to match maybe a little bit more of what I think a definition could look like for us as we are pursuing it this year. It's a little bit more robust, but you guys can handle that sort of thing. A definition saying spiritual formation is the journey of continually responding to the reality of God's grace shaping us into the likeness of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to look at today. And then next week, in the community of faith, there isn't spiritual formation that takes place that we're not a part of a community from creation to the new creation city that comes down. The community of God always plays a role together. And then for the sake of others, Any spiritual formation that does not have a component in it of a social dimension of life is not biblical. Uh, In the time that I've spent reading the Bible, studying it, looking at the ways of Jesus and what he's lined out, any formation that does not include, that only is about you and your own private personal faith, isn't actually the formation of the Bible. Uh, When God forms people, it's always for the sake of others. There's always a ripple effect. So each of those statements matter. What I love about looking at that, just a few things to make note of in this um, spiritual formation, that first thing to look at, just to check it out, is that it's a journey. Uh, this is a process. What I know uh, from being a pastor for a number of years and being a human is that if I were to ask everybody, hey, turn towards your neighbor, you're not going to do this. Turn towards your neighbor, and uh, do you th- what do you think uh, spiritual formation looks like? Most people would come up with, it's a journey, it's a process, it's, it's, and they'd lay out a whether it's sequential or a little bit more chaotic, somehow they put together that this is a process that takes place over time. But if I push on people long enough, there's almost always a point where uh, people come to the actual realization that how they think spiritual transformation takes place is actually at some point while I'm sitting in this process, God just zaps me. Like, like I should just change. Like, like, I don't have to, and somehow along in our Americanism, this is way more inherent than maybe other countries believe about this, but we have a belief that if if I'm going to change, it's going to happen because at some point God just kind of zaps me. Like, he'll take away that love that I have that is for stuff that destroys. Like, he'll take away my greed. He'll take away my jealousy. Like, he'll take away that insatiable desire to be liked and loved by other people, and basically what I have to do is, you know, not much. Eventually, if he wants me to change, he'll change me. I've heard that time and time again. But looking throughout the story of God, it's always a process. It's a journey. Uh, Our role very often uh, is not to just come up. uh, Americans, we love this. We want to come up with the technique or the information, right? We want to find out who's the right preacher, then I'll get the right information, and then I apply it to my life, and then I should change instantly. Like, we have this belief that everything in life, if you do X and Y, then Z should take place. But if you look out through the story of God, where do you see that happening? A linear, easy, time-constrained approach to God forming people in his likeness. He's not very American in his methodology, uh, it's a lot more the natural development, this journey, this process looks a lot more like what it looks like to grow as a human being. You go through different stages of life, right? Caden is in a different stage than Nick, who's in a different stage than Ken. And at some point along the line, uh, they actually go through growth spurts, right? Like you watch as your kids grow, and like you'll notice this with your kids. Sometimes uh, we, we'll go with toddlers because they're far less self-conscious. Uh, toddlers often, uh, you'll notice that they go out, they put on weight, and then they go up, Right? Do you guys notice that? Like with your kids, right? Like kids, they go out, they put on weight, and then they grow up, and then they fill in that weight. And it's amazing the way that God's grown us to develop over time in different rhythms, like as we go. But those growth spurts always look different. Spiritually speaking, a lot of times, though, we we remember back to when we had a growth spurt, and we try to create that same environment that we grew once in to grow next in. And what I'd say is very often the next growth spurt looks very little like the last one did, other than God was the one who was growing it where we can continually respond to the reality of God's grace. There is work that we do in this process, but it's us responding to God's grace. It's not us transforming ourselves. It's not us coming up with the right technique. It's not us getting the right information or the right podcast to biohack our spiritual lives together. But it's us responding at the pace that God's inviting to the work that he's doing. And that's far more mysterious and far less American But it's actually nourishing, and it fills our heart with what we long for. So track with me, and then we're going to jump into Romans 12. We'll get there. But the reason that this is so important for us as a family, the reason that this is so important for Missio de Mesa, the reason that this is so important for every disciple of Jesus is because being formed in the likeness of a God is not an option For anyone, all of us are being formed in some way. All of us are being spiritually formed in some way. Uh, We are by nature, in creation, spiritual beings who have a soul that's being shaped by something. Some story, some set of ideals, some set of loves all shape us. And that's true of everyone. It's true of your neighbor that doesn't even know the name Jesus, it's true of the, the person that's been following Jesus for seven decades, it's true of you. Uh, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, it's true of all of us that we're being shaped. Uh, think of it this way every response we have to a situation, every reaction, every relationship, every purchase, every Netflix show we watch, every account we follow on social media, it's marking and shaping us in the likeness of either Jesus or something or someone else. There's not anything that's neutral. And I know that seems like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot. I know. That's why we have to talk about it. The hours spent scrolling stories or reels or whatever it is these days shape you in some way. And it'd be foolish of us to assume that it didn't. What the invitation is this year is that what would it look like for us to be intentionally be formed in the likeness of Jesus through those things? Does that mean those things are evil? No but it means we need to be aware. We need to be paying attention. Uh, We can't have our eyes closed to the reality of what's taking place, that we are being formed. But the invitation of God is that he wants to see us grow up into maturity. Ephesians 4.13 talks about how we grow up into the maturity of Christ, and that's his aim. Like we want to actually look more like Jesus at the end of this year than we do now. What's that mean? We got longer hair, we wear sandals and robes, like we get a better tan. That's not quite it. But it's what would it look like if we were people who had more compassion, who had more capacity to forgive, who offered ourselves to God in the lives of others, people who love and serve like Jesus did, who have healthy interior lives, who also view their physical bodies as God intended, as means and vessels and good things given to us, not bad things to be avoided their sexuality, their engagement with justice and power in a way that leads to their own lives being whole and integrated and others' lives flourishing? What would it look like if the 30 of us in this room all had that happening? What would it look like if the kids in the next room were more shaped like Jesus at the end of this year because of the investment that you make in their lives and the way they lean into what the Spirit's doing? Like, that really is the hope. That's the benchmark that we're setting out for who we want to be this year. And if with that come more numbers, fantastic. If with that come more businesses started, fantastic. If with that comes stronger, healthier things being formed and then multiplied out, fantastic. But I really, really want to see us growing as a family more formed by Jesus in his likeness than anything else. So Paul says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, In the book of Romans, Paul has spent 10 chapters telling and retelling the gospel story. So that story that we talk about from creation through to restoration, he's told it at least three times in the way that he spirals through the book of Romans. He's making sure that they know, hey, here's the good news of all that God has done to redeem and restore his creation. Here's how he called Israel to play a role in that, and then here's how Jesus came, and he is the hero of the story. He is the one who sacrificed, makes it so there's no more condemnation to those that are in him, but instead they get to walk in freedom. He filled up the law, so now he fulfilled all the demands of the law, so we walk in freedom. He made sure they knew all that, that God's mercy had called in Gentiles and Jewish people, and there was one new household of faith. Like, he's told them all this good news. And he says, hey, in light of that, the way we respond to God's mercy is to give our lives as this holy sacrifice. A little bit of nerd work for you. uh, Going back to Leviticus, there were three different types of sacrifices. Uh, The first one was a guilt offering. And this is the one where they would uh, come to the animal, and they would go to it, and it would take on itself in imagery the guilt of the people, where the animal would be killed. And they gave them the guilt. That's the image that we see a lot where like, that's where the laying on the hands and then the animal the guilt. The second one was a burnt offering. Uh, and This one wasn't so much about laying on the animal the guilt as it was. This was the call of the response of the people of God was to be wholly consumed in light of God's mercy of laying their guilt on the other animal. Does that make sense? So the second one would be, this is their response. when the, This animal was wholly consumed, right? Wholly burnt up. It was wholly given to this, and that was meant to picture this is how we respond to God's mercy. And then the third offering would be one that was a peace offering, or this is one that celebrated what shalom would look like when it all came back together. And what a lot of commentators or people that talk about the Bible uh, talk about is that most likely what Paul was doing is he was talking about that second kind of sacrifice, but instead of an animal, it was the lives of the people of God being wholly committed together to the way of God that would be that sacrifice that was offered. He's saying in light of all the mercy that God has given, what the law used to be an image of, now we live out together. And then he gives them an admonition. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. I think some of us in our background, we might have learned that that was creation and that all physical stuff was bad. And so he's like, don't be about worldly stuff, like physical stuff be about spiritual stuff. And if you spend any time reading Paul, I don't think you come away with that imagery at all. Uh, when Paul talks about the world, he's doing it the same way John does, which is talking about the idolatrous or the, or the systems that lay under the world. Like, not, not the physical stuff of creation, but the stuff that's built on, the way that idols have shaped cultures that then shape us, that then affect the way we live. Uh, kind of like if you've ever uh, done the science experiment where you can shave off, like, metal shavings onto a piece of paper and then hold a magnet underneath it, right? And when you move the magnet around, what happens to the metal shavings? They move, right? Yeah, do they, they move in shape? Yeah. Even if you don't see the magnet, if the magnet moves, what happens? The metal shavings move. And it's magic, or it's science. Uh, The same thing happens with culture. Uh, The idols that lie under the culture often shapes the behaviors of the people. And what Paul's saying to the church in Rome, this big city, this cultural epicenter, was like, don't be conformed to the pattern of this system that lies under everything. Like the culture that you're in has a series of foundations to it. And if you build your life on that, you will look very much the same as the people around you. And he's saying, that's not the way the community of God needs to live. You need to be formed. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In our house, and we're going to do correction, uh, we, especially with the little kids, we have the conversation that we have that just says, hey, who am I? You're Kevin. How do I feel about you? I love you the little boys, they don't, my kids don't call me Kevin, uh, the little boys. Uh, and then we explained to them, like, how, like, hey, here's some ways that we can correct the behavior that we just had that led to the fist fight in the playroom. Um, and so, like, I want to correct us a little bit here, but I want you to hear the other things first. Like, who am I? I'm Kevin. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. Uh, how do I feel about you? I absolutely love you. And I want to also let us know that we are every bit as much at risk of being conformed to the pattern of this world as the Romans were when Paul wrote this letter. None of us are in a position where we've arrived, where we've made it, and we no longer have to worry about these things. All of us, at any given moment, can bend back towards the conformity to the patterns of this world if we're not paying attention. The process of spiritual formation of seeing our lives formed by God himself is an ongoing process that we continually give ourselves over. So I don't care if you've been following Jesus for 30 years or three years or three months. All of us need to make the decision to continually put ourselves in the current of God's grace so that we can be transformed by it. We work with the Spirit and what He's doing by His power, and that is a mystery. I get it. It's uncomfortable. I get it. It takes us uh, something happening to us, not just something we can make happen. I get it. But that is the way that God works. There's something that's taken place in uh, America, which happens in a lot of other places, and so not just banging on America, but that's where we live where across the church, here's just some of the symptoms of that. Um, Across the church, Christian people spend more on cable than fulfilling the Great Commission. Like if you scattered out around churches and say, hey, cool, how much do you give through the local church? How much do you give towards whatever you want to identify as mission? And then how much do you spend on your cable and internet bill? Most people across the spread of the church spend more on their cable and internet bill than they do on what they would call mission or fulfilling the Great Commission given through the local church. Like. I can't imagine that that pattern of life was set up from considering the ways of Jesus and what it looks like to live in the world. Um, The fact that the divorce rate among Christians look just the same as those that are non-Christians. Hear this. There are times when divorces are needed in marriages, and there's a way of protection that they offer, and that's awful. It's miserable. I don't like it, but it's true. But every divorce that has taken place has happened because at least one of the parties have decided they were not going to be faithful to their covenant with God and with their spouse. And so in that way, it's again, that shaping form that says, I'm going to view people like I view everything else and just use them while they're useful. And when I don't find that anymore, then I'll get rid of them. Uh, We do the same thing to consumer goods. We do the same thing to experiences. Uh, We just ask the question, maybe, what is it that we look to to figure out what does it look like to live faithful in my vocation and when I'm on vacation? Does the gospel say anything about that? Paul's saying, yes, like, let your mind be transformed to see these things very differently. Let the good news of Jesus shape all of you, and then you bring that to the table in increasing manner and see yourselves formed more into the people that God intends us to be. And there is far more life in that. There is far more life in that than living according to the patterns of the world. But the reality is that each of us have to make those decisions. Do we trust that what god says is actually true or do we buy the original lie that he's actually holding back from us be transformed by the renewing of your minds if you write in your bible you could circle that word transformed I-, I looked at it this week and what i loved about it is it's the same root word for the word repentance So we talk about repentance a lot, where it's changing our mind or changing the way we view things for how we live. Uh, This idea of being transformed is that we change literally our whole being to be more aligned with who God is. Like, I I love that word. It was the same root word that they came from both of them. That idea of if if we are shaped like this, then everyone else can see. And that was one of the drop-down definitions of it. Being transformed is a visible process. And the way that we get transformed isn't by memorizing the right facts or showing up at enough meetings. But by renewing our mind in light of the true story of the good news of Jesus, the kingdom that is here, and what he's at work doing. So how are we going to do that together as a church this year? Um, some of the ways that we're going to create rhythms for us to come and be formed together. Uh, this is part of the things that are invitations. These are not uh, burdens placed on you, but what do we do together that it looks like we want to be formed as these people? Uh, we believe that it takes place not just in our hearts, but with our bodies, because we're, he has literally said, like, give your bodies as living sacrifices. The idea is that it's your physical, tangible self, not just your brain, uh, and then you can make that decision in your mind and not really have to affect your real life. But some of the stuff we're going to do is continue being rooted and build up in the gospel. Uh, We're going to continue to focus Sundays to be experiences where uh, we don't just consume them, but where we come together to be reminded of the good news of Jesus, sing songs, pray, encourage each other. And it's really hard to encourage each other if you're not here. That one's just free. Um, But here's the reality. Like, there's something for us to receive and also something for us to give when we show up. And as you walk into these doors, whether they're on the side doors there, the side doors there, the secret entrance on the side over there, lots of options these days. But what if the prayer was, God, what is it that you want me to give and what do you want me to receive? Coming into a space where there's a whole lot of other messages we get throughout the week, this is a space and a place for us to encourage each other and then be equipped to take up our role in God's story. Uh, The series that we're going to have on Sundays are going to be aimed at different things like allowing us to uh, be formed in practices of the church that help to shape our hearts. Uh, Over Lent, we're going to look at the seven letters to the seven churches and realize here's encouragements from Jesus himself for the church, what it looks like to be faithful. Uh, We're going to look at spiritual giftings where how do we identify them and how do we build them up and how do we release every member to be in line with their own, where God's gifted you to be a part of the work he's doing. We're going to spend time in that. We're going to spend time deep diving into the book of Titus uh, over like, probably like six or seven weeks. It's a short book. It's like three chapters. But if we're in Titus, it's because that was a young church that Paul planted that still had to get some of their stuff in order, and it seemed pretty appropriate for us as a young church that needs to get some of our stuff in order. So uh, we'll be in that book for a while. But each of these things are meant to help us step into a stream uh, where we're being formed by the grace of God. That's the point of our kids' discipleship classes. Uh, and there's two prongs to that one. One, it shapes the kids. That does something for the kids to allow them to be shaped in the ways of Jesus. If you have a kid in the other room, they're literally learning about being formed by God today the same way we are. Just a little bit more crayons. But the second thing that it's doing is that's a way, a spiritual formation practice for you as well as you serve literally the youngest, most vulnerable parts of our family together in the name of Jesus. I love watching as people who run high-level jobs throughout the week who take on a lot of responsibility bend down to teach the good news of Jesus to a four-year-old with a car in their hand. That's not just for the sake of the kids, but it's actually for the sake of you as well. Jesus said every member of the family is both for your good, but you're also there for theirs, and so we want to have that formation take place. And Going back to the text, Romans 12, at the end, it's then that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then he spends the next five chapters, six chapters, showing them what it looks like to live as a new creation community. So if you spend the next little bit reading in Romans, uh, you can read the next few chapters, and he's going to show them, this is what it looks like to live as that kind of community that's pouring themselves out in the name of Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture. But, but it takes work. There's effort. It's also a mental processing where we turn towards something on purpose, not just wait for God to zap us. And until then, we're going to do what we want to do. And so the invitation for tonight is to say, all right, Jesus, what is it that you want from me? I'm going to have this prayer on the screen for a little while. Um, It's a prayer that uh, was in a book that's super helpful on these things. Um, I'm not going to read it to you because you guys are fully capable of reading yourselves and you'll have time to but the thought is that there are ways in which I believe Jesus is probably already pressing on us of things he wants to shape in our lives, and we're at a point turning into a new year where we're going to ask the question, is it really worth it? Like, it seems like it's going to take some effort. And I would say pressing into the ways of Jesus and feeling his embrace, it it is worth it. The God of the universe, the all-powerful one, does not stand at a distance. He's not a Marvel character, like the watcher who looks out over the world and observes everything taking place but doesn't get involved in it. Our God is very different from that. He sees the needs of the world, and he himself enters into them, which includes not just the massive scale things across the globe or across the country or across the city, but actually in your hearts. So i want to give us a few minutes to lean into that, and then I'll switch, and the slide will switch to a few questions that you can ask just as you sit there in silence and consider, and then I'll pull us back. So go ahead and take a few minutes. Pray this prayer. If you want to have the posture of your hands open, feel free to do that. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to journal, if there's a line that the Spirit's been kind of pointing at you with, talk to him a little bit about that, and then I'll bring us back in just a second. Father, we remember that our, our journey with you is not setting out to gather enough information and apply it correctly to find you as if you were an object to be grasped and mastered by us. But would we continually explore and discover what this journey of learning to yield ourselves to you looks like, and even in this next year, discovering what and where you want to take us. we are not the masters of our own destiny, but we want to again yield ourselves to you as you form us together for the sake of our families, our neighborhoods, this city, and your world. We ask this in your name, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.